You are going to love our next guest. Of course, I say that about most of our guests because nobody gets on this show all business without being all business. I'm telling you, and being good people. But my next guest has literally gone places. He's flown everywhere. He served his country as a Navy pilot in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. He's currently a successful entrepreneur and has flown a number of relief missions to places like the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, especially after the devastation of Hurricanes uh, Dorian and Maria. And I'm talking about the CEO and founder of Tropic Ocean Air. Airways. I'm talking about Rob Saravalo. Welcome, Rob, to All Business. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, you served as a Navy pilot during Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. First of all, Rob, thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. It was a, it was a great career and appreciate you paid your taxes so I could do that. So thanks. You know, I'm glad to do that for that reason. You know, I've had members of my family almost every single generation up through the Revolutionary War to today. And most members of my family, immediate family, have all served in some capacity. Although I have to say, I know you're a Navy guy. Most of mine are Air Force. I just got to get <laughs> oh, that man. in. You know what? I've got okay. something else scheduled at this time, guys. I got to drop off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it goes. Oh, my heart, my heart. Okay, I right. get it. I get thanks, it. That's thanks okay. Thanks you and your family for the service. I know it's uh, it's a sacrifice for that many years. So I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's it's the price you pay for freedom, and that's what you have to do. You know, and. And of course, you, you've been in the Navy, you've done some good things. And I've got a lot of good friends. I've got a couple of admirals that are friend, uh, friends of mine that are admirals, uh, pilots. I've got, uh, oh my gosh, commanders. I've got a little bit and a couple of seamen too, because you got to have that in yeah, your family. Of course. So nothing that, and my, and my, let's see, my stepnephew, he just finished up as a, a chief petty oh, officer. Oh, wow, congratulations. Just his entire yeah, career. Those guys yeah. actually run the, they run yeah, the Navy, he, you know, the chiefs do, so. Yeah. My dad was a chief master sergeant, same thing. So you, you kind of like to see that when you, it's, it's good. We, we, we kind of always been in uh, non-commissioned officers. Hey, but I got to get into the military. I want to ask you this question. What's the most important lesson that you learned in combat that you still apply to your everyday life? It's a great question. It's tough to narrow it down to one. You know, when you start in the military, I mean, they start developing you from, from day one to be a, a leader and be able to achieve like amazing things actually in your life. If you think about it, you join the Navy at either 18 or 24 years, depending on you know, whether you came in through officer cannon school or, or boot camp, but even in officer cannon school, the first week I'm there, you know, they shave your head and they make you, you know, they get a Marine Corps drill instructor <laughs> making you, you know, fold your underwear in six inch by six inch squares. And if it's not exactly six inch by six inch squares, they tear apart your locker. And people wonder like, why would they do that? You know, what's the, what's the point? Is it just harassment? I said, no, you know, it's, it's actually teaching you attention to detail. So, you know, if you're if you're a quarter an inch off, you get hammered for it, and you learn the next time don't be a quarter inch off. Now apply that to combat, right? And if I'm dropping a bomb and I'm 50 feet off, I could kill civilians, or I could not protect the guys and girls on the ground, which is my primary mission. And then you take those types of lessons and you apply that to business, right? So if you're not paying attention to every penny of a growing bootstrapped entrepreneurial company, you're going to fail. You know, so these lessons that they learn early on, or they teach you rather early on are basically, you know, applied throughout your career. Another great example is the debrief mentality. So when we come back from a mission, we talk about what we did right and what we did wrong. And then we apply those lessons learned and that's how you get better. And taking those amazing lessons and the, and the you know, tremendous development process that the Navy does and apply it to business, I'm just, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been developed in that manner. 
Well, I, I love that debrief mentality. because I've always said adapt, change, or die. And after every event that I do, after every interview I do, I sit down with my producers or whatever, and we say, okay, how can we make that better, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's how we get better, right? I mean, it's so easy for us to give, give ourselves and other people a pat on the back, you know, but you don't really learn anything from that where the real lesson comes from taking a step back and saying, okay, guys, what, first of all, what do we do right? And if we did something right that was new, let's standardize that process and make it a better process. And if we did something that's wrong, let's figure out why that happened. Nobody's fault. It's a very objective. They always say there's no rank in the debrief. I could be in a debrief with an admiral and say, hey, listen, sir, you really screwed this one up. And he's like, yeah, Roger that, Rocco, I did. And we all apply that lesson and we all get better because of it. Oh, so it's right. Ro- Ro- was Rocco your, <laughs> like, your, uh, your, your yeah. flight name? Yeah. yeah. Was that your call yeah, sign? Rocco. Rocco. That's a pretty freaking cool call sign. I got lucky, sign. you know, because sometimes they're just really bad call signs you get stuck with. You know, I, I got, uh, there's, there's a couple I can't even yeah. say on this podcast, I think, because I don't listen to the family. Oh, one, but, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, you can say you can say them on my <laughs> podcast. I don't mind the red marks on my podcast. There's a couple it's of great okay. ones. You know, one of them is, um, all right, here's a good one. So the last name, the guy's last name is Richard, right? And his call sign was Limp. So yeah. what's short for Richard? Yeah. 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 So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, got some good I get ones it. I get it. I get it. Nowadays, it's a little bit more sensitive to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I tell you what, people, don't be offended. These guys are fighting for the military. They can call themselves whatever the fuck yeah. they want to call themselves. So that's what we want to make sure. Hey, if I got to ask you probably a question you haven't been asked yet on any interview that you've been doing. I know you've been doing a lot. <laughs> Do you still fold your own underwear? <laughs> no, I roll it up and stick it in a drawer. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, but I'll tell you, though, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that when you look back and you're like, wow, that, that totally makes sense. You know, and when you're in it, you're like, what the hell yeah. are you doing this for? But great lessons learned, you know. Yeah, but you roll you roll yeah. them up, so it's a yeah. different thing. I mean, there's still a sense of accomplishment of doing things like that. Like, like the one admiral who's, or I think admiral or general, I can't remember that Mr. said, bad. "Make your yeah, own bed," right? Uh, not Mr. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so, so cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very good lesson in meticulousness. And I I particularly like you having those lessons because you're running yeah, an airline. No, I, I mean, you okay? think about that though. I mean, what what he was talking about about making your bed in the morning. It's all about the routine, right? Like accomplishing the first thing you set out to do. So the morning routine that everybody talks about, right? I mean, there's, everybody has their own morning routine. Maybe it's wake up and do, you know, drink coffee, wake up, go for a run or wake up and read the news, whatever it is, that routine. And you accomplish those first two or three steps. You already accomplished the first part of your day. Yeah. It resonated with me, his speech. I thought it was fantastic. What's your routine in the morning? So I wake up, you know, it depends on the day, anywhere from, you know, five to six, 15, get up, I make coffee and I read a little bit. I've been trying not to yep. open my email, but it's a habit. And I start just, you know, firing yeah. off emails. And then um, after about 30, 45 minutes to an hour of that, I get a workout in, you know, and at that mm. point, I feel great, you know, fantastic, ready to hit the day and then uh, have some breakfast and go to work. It's been a great routine. Yep. I read a little bit of uh, stoicism, if you're familiar. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. Five, yeah. 10 minutes and then I'll, I'll read the news. And then, you know, I try not to, like I said, try not to check social media because I think it's a time suck, but it's good to know what's at least going on in the world you know, kind of just prepares me for the day. And it's a great routine, you know, and if, and it's funny, if you, if you yeah. miss it, right. I, I feel like I'm behind yeah. already. You know, the last thing I do yeah. obviously is plan the day. Yeah. You, I, you know, my routine is a very simple one. I actually get up and actually do my email and I do that early on and get it done. I try to keep my email less than 10 in my inbox at any given time. And I really try to strive to get it to zero. Although a lot of times my inbox is my to-do list, but I don't go on the social media stuff until well into the day just because I'm trying to get everything else done. And I'm using the office yeah. by 7, maybe 7.30, because I'm really trying to go and get there before everybody else starts, you know, jumping it's in on my day. It's in the morning, isn't it? I mean, when nobody's around. Yeah. And you know what's yeah. funny, too, is um, 
that routine, whether routine is check the email in the morning or schedule a certain time to check email, you know, we, we have, obviously we have a growing company. We have about 105 employees and we started with one. And one of the biggest things I hear all the time from people is I don't have enough time. And my first question is, show me how you, you make it. Right. Yeah. So, so if you're just constantly yeah. checking email and yeah. constantly putting out fires, of course, you're not going to have any time. But, you know, everybody has the same 24 hours. So it's all about how you schedule your day. It's really is a game changer. You know? It's all about priorities, yeah. about focus. And then it's like people used to say, I, it's not in our budget. Well, of course, it's not in your budget. It can yeah. be in your budget. Now, do you want it yeah. in your budget? And you make make room for it if it's yeah. a priority for you. Yeah. That's what you have to do Absolutely. every day. Yeah. Every day. Sure. Why why did you decide to leave the Navy and start your own company? Man, I, I'm, I ask myself that question every day. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I love serving. I had 10 years active duty. I just got back from Top Gun. It was like a dream of mine since I was a little kid. You know, I'm sure you might, you might have heard that movie of, of that movie, right? Uh, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people confuse me yeah, with Tom Cruise, so I get like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. before he died, yeah, day, but day keep going. Sure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was just an amazing career and I absolutely loved it, but I had this dream someday to start a company, you know, and, and get an aviation company, mm-hmm. you know, and I joined the Navy because, you know, my dad actually was an immigrant from uh, Southern Italy. He was, you know, a teenager during World War II. His town was liberated by the, you know, American military. So he became a citizen of the U.S. Wow. and kind of brought me up, you know, I was, I, I was brought up during the Reagan years watching movies like, you know, Patton and stuff like that, you know, so obviously I was going to join the military no matter what. And then Top Gun came out. And I was like, wow, you could land jets on, on carriers. That's the coolest thing ever. And so I was living the dream, but I had this second dream that I was going to do in my 50s of starting a company. And I was on leave with a buddy uh, of mine in Europe, and I was reading Screw It, Let's Do It by Richard Branson. And when I finished that book, I was mm, like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to start a company now. And it was the bottom of the recession. I sold everything I had. I rode around on a bicycle for two years to try to get the company off the ground. You know, no bank, no banks will loan you money, as you can imagine back then. I got very fortunate right. to meet a gentleman at a small bank who, who you know. Eventually, oh, an yeah, company. I, got I, mean, la- I literally got laughed yeah. at. It's not even, you know, I'm not even, you know, yep. telling a story here. It's literally, I would get laughed at by banks and brokers and stuff like that. But, you know, but here we are. And I'm, I'm really glad I made the, the change. Now, I tried to stay in the Navy. So I stayed for another four years flying as a Navy reservist. I mm. found that it was really difficult to balance both. Like you can't. You can't grow yeah. a company, put 16 to 20 hours a day in the office, and then you know six to eight days a month try to fly jets and actually do it safely. So in 2014, I gave that up, and right around that time is really when the company started to grow. So 2014 is really that inflection point when I focused 100% on it. Yeah, yeah and focus. You put exactly. your focus behind it. You put all the put all the wood yeah. behind the arrow, and that really makes a difference in what you do. What did your dad do? Was he was he an no, entrepreneur? No, no, he was a he was a doctor. He was a uh, general practitioner. Yeah. Oh, wow kind of nine to five general practitioner kind of guy. And, you know, but he kind of brought, both of my parents kind of brought me up with this idea that, you know, this country is amazing and you could do anything you wanted to do. So I was very fortunate in that regard that they kind of encouraged me to just kind of shoot for the stars, you know? And that, you know, if I was like, hey, I want to be an astronaut. Sure, you can be an astronaut. You want to be an NFL player? Like, sure. Like, there was absolutely no, like my dad never said, you can't do that, you know? And that was kind of a, kind of a neat thing. He passed away when I was in Navy flight school. And that was, you know, for me, a really difficult time because, you know, I, he never got to see me graduate flight school and stuff. But, you know, it still helped me get through and actually graduate number one in my class in flight school, even though he passed away during that time. And again, it was that encouragement, I think, you know, I was very unfortunate to have that. And I tried to pass that or pay that forward to people today when I, I mentor a lot of young people who maybe don't have a financial background or don't have, you know, parents who are, who are good mentors. And I told them the same thing. I'm like, you know, don't don't limit yourself. I mean, you can find a way to accomplish something if you only put your mind to it. And I think it's a great lesson. 
Yep. And everybody needs inspiration. Speaking of inspiration, let's take a quick break and I'll be right back. All right. I got to ask you this question. Could I read in one of your interviews where you said you had to emotionally detach yourself from failures and successes of the company? How do you do that? And how do you keep your passion in check? It's a good question because I'm a passionate Italian, you know? So my, I got, you know, I get, I cry <laughs> movies. I, I get angry. You know I mean? Like on the road, you know, so early on in the company, man, like every time I got a no, or every time I got a delay in the FAA and I watched the bank account start to dwindle, I would literally get emotional about it. And I'd argue and, you know, try to plead my case. And I realized like applying emotion to a problem will fix the problem. And, and again, I was able to fall back on kind of what they teach in the military, you know, and it's not just the military. I think like any successful person, it's a skill that they learn, right? So even if you look at Sully, right, who landed Hudson and you listen yeah. to the audio, he wasn't screaming and saying, oh, what was me, right? He's going through what, what we call it the OODA loop process, observe, orient, decide, and act. And what that is, if you're not familiar with it, it's an old came from like the 1960s, I think it was, Colonel Boyd, 1950s or 60s. And it was a military terminology called UDA. It's observe, orient, decide, and act. And it's a way to, you know, you apply that philosophy towards decision-making so you don't get stuck in decision paralysis. And what's it again? Obser observe, observe what? Orient, observe? decide, and act. And I'll walk you through it in a second. But basically, you know, decision yeah. paralysis, you know, happens quite a bit. And a lot of times it's because you're emotional about a problem, right? Or you don't, you don't want to make the wrong choice or the wrong decision. And this kind of teaches you to get to that 70 or 80% solution, move forward and then, and then address it. And by the way, doing it, you know, without emotion. So the observed portion is, is just taking a step back. So, you know, whether you apply to me growing a business, you know, and I run into a major roadblock or I'm almost out of cash, right? Or Sully, who just lost yep. an engine because he had two engines because he hit a bunch of geese. Like the first thing you do is absolutely nothing, right? You just take a step back and right. observe it. And then the orient piece is that, is that objective piece. You kind of orient yourself to the reality. It, that's the reality, right? So nothing Sully could have done would have changed the situation, right? Nothing I could do at that moment would have changed the decisions that led me to that point where we're almost at a cash, right? So I used to be emotional yeah. about it, didn't make a difference, right? So you kind of take a step back, right. pull yourself out of it, and you make a decision. You know, you kind of try to get to that 80% solution and just make a call. That's the whole point of this whole thing. You make a call, and then you act on that call. The A is the act, you know, D is set, decide A is act. And then guess what? It's a loop, right? So you make the decision, you act on it, then you observe what happens. If it's the wrong decision, you go through the loop again. You know, that's the beauty of it. Like there's no right. such thing as a, a bad right. call because you just continuously go through this loop to continually move forward, you know, and that changed the game for me in terms of a business. I mean, we've, we've ran into so many roadblocks and we've almost been bankrupt so many times in this company, but we continue to grow. We continue to be successful because we're able to take a step back, assess it, pull motion out of it. You know, if, if it's my fault, it's my fault. I'm the CEO. I'm responsible if somebody makes a bad call, right? And then we, we move on. And that, I think, is a game changer for anybody who's trying to succeed in life, that early process. You're spot on. You're spot on, Rob, because, you know, so many of us get, it, get caught up in the emotion of this, you know, either on the a passion for the positive, which if you do too much of that can make you make irrational decisions. But the failure side of it, you, you get paralyzed by it. Sometimes you don't want to do it. Oh, what will people think of me? I just made a, a tough call the same way. And I look at it now, you, you're a little bit different with the airline business. And I know that you practice safety, 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 but in most of your business decisions you're going to make, no one's going to die. Right. Right. And the same thing with the stuff that I do. So I learned a long time ago, it's just a decision. You know, no one's going to die. Move on. And, and in the marketing side, by the way, there's also a formula that's very similar to this. It's called race formula, research, action, communication, evaluation. And then you loop it again. 
and you loop it again and you keep looping it. And I love that idea. So, and that's, how do you pronounce it again? Uda. 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 Yeah. Uda. Uda. Yeah. Uda. And, and okay. Is, there we go. Think about that from a, in a competitive landscape, right? Where if you're moving through the Uda loop faster than your competitor, whether I'm dogfighting you in another jet, I'm playing, playing chess, right? Or I'm running a business in a competitive right. environment. The person who gets through that loop faster and goes through that process faster is the winner. That's really what it comes down to. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah. And you get yeah, good yeah, at it. Absolutely. Because it, yeah. It, yeah it, 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 and by the way, getting to those decisions faster, that's yeah. the name of the game. Because you're always going to fail. Absolutely. Let's yeah, be clear. You know, you're always oh, going to fail. By the way, the, the people <laughs> who figured that out look smart, don't they? Like, I'm not, I'm not a very smart guy, you know, but I, I, there's a great, great quote I heard once that wisdom is pattern recognition. That's all it is, right? And, and General Mattis <laughs> talks about that. He says, you know, if you haven't read hundreds of books, you don't belong running a business, you don't belong in leadership because you're functionally illiterate. So by, by reading other people or talk, even having conversations like this, like I'm learning something from talking to you, and I'm going to apply that, you know, to my, you know, I'm going to put that in my bag of tricks. And that's, that's, again, it's pattern recognition. You see it over time. So Yeah, people ask me about that all the time. How do you know when it's a good business? Well, when you bought and sold a couple yeah. hundred businesses, well over $25 billion in yeah. transaction, I can start exactly. to figure out yeah. the patterns. You know, like, like that guy yeah. sucks. He's not good. I don't want him as the leader of the company, you know, whatever it might be. Or you can smell it. You can walk into a business and just yeah. smell it's yep. not good. It's not good. It's not good. Because I know a lot of Navy guys. I know a lot of everybody from Bronze Stars to winners to, you know, uh, recipients to everything. And, and one of the things I always am taken by, especially with Navy guys, is the values. I see a lot of great value, meaning you have a core belief. Well, what are the values that you live by? We actually have seven core values in our company that we built over time. And these things have changed, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny, they're hung on, on the wall of every single office in my company, but they're not just words on a wall. Like we actually teach it in Indoc. We talk about it every week in our, in our briefs, our debriefs, our counseling sessions. We actually you know, incorporate that in discussions with our clients. But you know, the, the, there are seven of them, and I'll just go through them quickly. You've got safe is right, which is number one, right? We're an airline. So of course, safe is right is what, what yep. everybody wants to hear. But the reality of it is, I hate that core value, and I'll tell you why. There's no such thing as being safe, right? Everything is all about risk management. We manage risk is what we do. That's what that core value means. But you don't ever want to put that on a website because mm-hmm. no, no, nobody's going to want to fly with you if you say, hey, we manage a really risky endeavor. Right? Safe is a better marketing term. Let me just put it out. about risk management, right? <laughs> Applying the lessons that we've learned right. to risk manage because aviation inherently right. is a risky business, right? The second one is be professional. It's all, all encompassing, you know, how you present yourself. Do you debrief? Do you apply lessons learned? Do you share your mistakes with others? You know, do you care yourself well? Do you you actually, you know, self-study and read. We just talked about, you know, General Madison, his, his uh, ideas about reading. Be compassionate is number three. It's one of my favorite. So kind of two things there. One is, you know, we give back to the communities we serve. So I don't know if you know too much about our company, but back when I was broke and it was just me and another guy in our one little four-seat airplane, we were running Christmas presents to islands in the Bahamas, totally donated, you know, and we're putting it on a credit card. And that became this massive thing that we do every year called Santa Sea Plan. And this year we serviced 400 children in two islands that were affected by Hurricane Dorian. You know, four years in a row after the major hurricanes, we launched massive hurricane relief efforts. And this year after Dorian in the Bahamas, we carried, you know, we rescued 900 people. We evacuated 900 people, partnered with Delta and carried 200,000 pounds of cargo. So being compassionate about giving back, but it's also internal. If you and I are having a conversation, we're having a disagreement internally in our company, am I able to put myself in your shoes, right? Can, can I see it from your perspective so that way we could come to a better solution? I think I'd love to see, by the way, people apply that to our political discussions in this day and age, you know, about understanding. Where, where oh, that'd be great, that. wouldn't it? Yeah. Number four, yeah. find a way. I mean, 
pretty self-explanatory. You know, you, you, you know, keep, keep, yeah, get keep, just get, get there. there, right? If you run <laughs> to a brick wall, find a window. If you can't find a window, grab a, grab a, a sledgehammer, go through it, you know? Number five, mutual support. I stole that from the Navy, but basically, you know, I'm not in this by myself. I've got a team of 105 people and every single, every single department is equally important. You know, pilots can't fly airplanes without good mechanics, but guess what? They can't fly airplanes without good salespeople who get people to fly on those airplanes and, and generate revenue to help pay to fly those airplanes, give them payroll. You know, every single department in this company is equally important and we can't survive unless we support each other. Love what you do is number six. It used to say, do what you love and love what you do, but how often do you see people actually doing what they love? You know, I love to fly airplanes. Instead, I'm in front of my laptop 24-7. But guess what? I love my job. I love being a CEO of this company. I love growing this company. So you can always find a way to love what you do, no matter what you're doing, as long as it's getting you where you need to be. And there's a why behind that, right? Let's hold off on number seven, because I want to take a break, and we're going to come back. It's a teaser, folks. You're going to hear the final one, number seven. When we come right back, I'm talking to Rob Saravalo who's the CEO and founder of Tropic Ocean Airways. Let's listen to this for just a second. C-Suite Radio. Okay, what's number seven? How do you wrap up the seven values? Lead, and it is my favorite. So yeah. I, I teach in dot class, and so no matter where I am, I travel quite a bit. And whenever we have new hires, which actually have them coming in tomorrow, I go in there and teach the core values. You know, And my first question is, who's the leader in this room? And, you know, and if they point mm-hmm. to me, it's the wrong answer. It's a good question, trick question. You know, leadership is all about influence, right? So I don't care yeah. who you are, the most junior person in the company could lead me if they influence me in the right or, you know, wrong direction. So I think leadership is really a way to wrap up our core values that, that we don't hire pilots, we don't hire mechanics, we don't hire customer service people, we hire leaders. And that's our intent is to develop people into, into leading each other and, and creating that peer leadership structure. That's, uh, that's all seven of them. That's pretty cool. I love that. And INDOC, when you're talking about INDOC, I assume that's indoctrination on the company? Uh, correct. Yeah, it's, I, I know it's probably yeah. a bad term, and people say that I should probably no, change a, it. But, no, it's a but term. I love, I love the term. I, love I mean, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, everybody. Did you get that from, you get that from uh, military, or where did that come from? Yeah, actually, I don't remember if that came from the military or not. I just yeah. remember using it at some point years ago, and we just kind of kept it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it sounds like a military term, indoctrination. I mean, you know, it's part of your indoc. Well, yeah, well, the way we look at it, you know, I mean, again, like if you join the Marine Corps, you're not joining the military, you're joining the Marine Corps, right? So if, when you come to work at Tropic Ocean Airways, you're joining Tropic Ocean Airways, you're not joining just some airline. And so we spend yeah. a lot of time, I don't care whether you're a mechanic, pilot, whatever, you're all sitting in class together for the week, you know, and, and talking about what it means to be a Tropic Ocean Airways team member. And I think that's really what we, you know, try to hammer home uh, in the first couple uh-huh. weeks of, of uh, training. We got a couple minutes left, but I want to ask you, are you still flying? I'm, I'm sure you're still flying, flying, but are you flying as a pilot for the airline? No, I don't. I stopped flying about three years ago and nothing against, like, I know there's some small airlines out there where the you know CEO does his little thing and he flies once a month and all that stuff and flies people mm-hmm. around and Instagrammable. But I'm a big believer in look like if you're flying people around, like number one, you, your job is to stay current, you know? And if I fly yeah. once a month, I don't think it's right for me to carry, you know, paying passengers who don't know that I haven't flown in a month, number one, even, mm-hmm. even though I'm a fighter pilot who landed on carriers, you know? Number two is, you know, I'll tell you, like, as much as I love flying and occasionally if we're taking an airplane out to a meeting, I'll jump in the cockpit and fly just because I miss it like crazy. And I do try to get in the cockpit occasionally. But, you know, my time is better spent building the business as much as I'd rather be in the cockpit. So I do not fly anymore. I do some training occasionally just because I do have a lot of, you know, as we talked about earlier, wisdom to impart on younger pilots. But I do stay out of the cockpit, at least uh, flying the line. Did you make that decision or did somebody in the team come to you with it? I did. With the suggestion? I did. Oh. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. 
And again, I, you know, I, I struggle with that one, honestly, Jeff, because I, I miss it. I mean, I'm really happy being up in a cockpit. So I think the training piece is good, you know, but again, like I think my time is better spent building the business. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, listen, I got to tell you, this has been a lot of fun and a lot of wisdom. At the end of the show, I always leave people with some tidbits and I got a number of tidbits. I was writing notes uh, like crazy, which is always good for me. I, you know, I love that Uda. I, I'm gonna, that's a big takeaway, but then I'm going to bring some more takeaways when I come back. But hey, Rob, I just want to say, first of all, thanks again for your service Two, congratulations on the success of the airline. And I can't wait to get down to Fort Lauderdale to see you and fly to one of these oceans and get in one of these, uh, these seaplanes that you're flying and, uh, and just, and, and experience it. I I'm looking forward to it. Jeffrey, we'd love to have you, man. I'd love to show you around either down here or down the Caribbean. I think you'd love it. Well, not not just me, but for all the millions that listen, hey, don't forget, next time you're booking to an Ireland, you know, there you want to go, Tropic Ocean Airways. So thanks so much, Rob, for joining us today right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. There was a lot of things. You heard me talk about Uda. I thought that was really cool. I had never heard that before. And so I always like when I listen to new things. I also like wisdom is pattern recognition. I am not going to forget that. That You're going to see that in a tweet. Let me tell you that right now. But you know what I really liked more than anything? Debrief mentality. I do this all the time. Never thought about it like that. At the end of every event, I say, hey, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? What could we have done better? You know, how could we improve? What could I have done better, you know, as a leader or as the talent or whatever it might be? I just think that's a great way. And I love the fact that he said when you're in rooms with uh, Rocco, Rocco, you know, is in a room with an admiral and he said, hey, Ed, you screwed the pooch, so to speak. You really blew it right there. And I thought that was good to be of no rank in those debriefs. That's a good, good, good thing for us to learn. And you learn it right here on All Business. And we have these lessons every single week. I hope you keep tuning in. I hope you tell other people about it because that's how I grow. I grow by word of mouth. Other people telling other people, hey, this is the greatest podcast you've ever heard since sliced bread. And I think it is. So, hey, tune in and don't forget to tell your friends. I appreciate all you you do for us. This has been Jeffrey Hazlett right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.